This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Interest rates are higher, and if people don't like that, but you should be welcoming a stronger economy. Maybe a deal has a point about the machinery of capitalism being oiled with the blood of the workers. The United States is a country that has always paid all of its bills. Lannister always pays his debts. Don't let the bastards get you. Welcome to Comedian versus Economist, coming to you live from the menagerie that is Thomas's house. <laughs> <laughs> Last week it was birds. This week we've got frogs in the background. Uh, apologies yeah. for the background noise, but we are here to demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam, and we're <laughs> joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good day. Yeah, you forgot Frog King. <laughs> frog King. <laughs> <laughs> he of the frog people. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, why don't you go and subscribe to the show if you haven't already? That way you'll never miss an episode and you'll be sure to get it when it's fresh while the, <laughs> while the frogs are still croaking. How are you, Thomas? You going well? Ah, uh, yeah, doing pretty good. Pretty That's good. good. Yeah, good. you? Uh, I'm pretty. I'm pretty zonked. I'm pretty exhausted. We went camping for two nights. The first night we we're camping, both of the air mattresses of the kids went down, and so Ooh. they were. Yeah, that wasn't a fun night. So we got them swapped over, and then the second night we're lying in bed, and Emily called out. She's like, "Mom, mattress is flat again." And we're like, oh, no, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> anyway, we go in there and, nope, just on the wrong bit. She's like, what do you mean I'm on the wrong bit? I'm like, you're on the floor, not the mattress. Uh, so she's just <laughs> fallen off. <laughs> so, so it was all fine for the second night. Uh, crisis averted. Um, disappointed, though, Thomas, I'm slightly disappointed. Nobody wants a hat. Um, oh. we've, we've offered this hat now two weeks in a row. This will be three weeks in a row. Uh, all you got to do is name the voices in the not-so-new-anymore intro for Comedian versus Economist. If you can name all of the voices, then you will win yourself a genuine replica baggy green hat. So all you got to do, name the voices. Uh, I'm going to keep mentioning it until someone until someone names them. So uh, someone's already given a couple away on the Facebook page, uh, at CVE Podcast. Um, there's a couple that have already been ticked off, so some of the work is already done. Uh, or maybe just give it to Shazam or, or, I don't know, OpenAI or something and get that to tell you what it is. Uh, all right, anyway, enough from me. Massive show coming up, Thomas. Uh, to quote Buzz Lightyear, we're going to Bed Bath & Beyond. Uh, we'll find out what's happening with that weirdly vague store. Uh, should we be scared of AI or should we just welcome our new Lord and Saviour? Uh, we're going to take a look at that a bit later on. But first, interest rates went up another 25 basis points last week. 
Phil ain't playing no more. Thomas, what's he up to? No, he is not mucking around, not mucking around. 25 basis points on Tuesday. That was, uh, we called it uh, on last week's show. That's the ninth hike in a row. Mm. 325 basis points now, bringing it up to 3.35%. That is now the biggest rate hiking cycle since 1994. Right. 1994 is when we had interest rates at 17%. Okay. You know, the, you know, the boomers go on about that a bit. I thought that was the 80s. I thought it was interest rates in the 80s. No, no. Sure, it's not 84. No, no, I'm Mm. not sure about that one. Okay. Yeah, so, yep, we're off off to the races with rate hikes. And the thing that really threw markets is, you know, some people were maybe hopeful that this would be the end of it, that the the market, that Phil might say that we're done now Mm. or that we're thinking about being done. But he's like, no, we've definitely got more hikes Mm. um, and hikes plural there so further increases in interest rates will be needed mm. in coming months so he also said that we wouldn't be raising rates until 2024 mm. so i feel like you know yeah take it all yeah. take it with a grain of salt yeah. from phil yeah, this is yeah. this is different to what's happening in the u.s like the u.s have kind of they we talked about that last week i think or the week before yeah. the us are saying we've hit the we've hit the peak in fact they were starting talking about writing out checks to people yeah they did walk that one back though during the did week did they yeah yeah they did the the governors various governors of the fed reserve thought that people had misinterpreted what jerome powell was <laughs> saying <laughs> and came out and went yeah no nah, we need a lot more hikes actually four four, <laughs> four separate governors came out and really talked it down so yeah. no checks <laughs> no <laughs> checks in the mail well that's a that's a local government level so that's oh, not okay. really that doesn't have anything to do with them but they were right. worried that people thought that this was the peak was in and right. it's all rate cuts from here. Because I think yeah. the US market dipped a bit towards the end of yeah. last week. No, they didn't like that. Maybe no. on the news that Jerome was maybe <laughs> going off script. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here we go. We've got geckos too. Just <laughs> yeah, geckos are really hilarious. This is, like, this is like doing a show with Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. <laughs> Ace Ventura, economist. Right. Well, why is the why is the RBA nervous? Uh, I think there just isn't any sign that inflation's easing. I mean, we saw it in December that inflation came in much hotter than expected. They were forecasting the RBA was forecasting six and a half percent for the year for the trim mean came in at six point nine percent. So that's quite a lot higher. Uh, we also got services inflation in the last print. So, yeah, service inflation lifted from from three point one percent to five point five. So that's mm. that suggests that it's getting you know getting away from your supply bottlenecks and getting a bit more entrenched in the economy. So that's that's not a that's not a good thing. Mm. Um, you also had the Melbourne Institute have a monthly inflation survey that came that's been has been running hot for a little while, but came in at point nine percent in the month. <laughs> I thought you meant the survey had been running hot. Like people were like just. Give me that survey. Like, that. Was just, yeah. People couldn't get enough of the Melbourne Institute survey. <laughs> They're like, oh, it's so good. It is It is fire at the moment. It yeah. is just it's off its head. Flying off the website. <laughs> <laughs> We're having to turn people away from the survey. That's how good it's going. We're not even approaching them in shopping centres anymore. We're, just, we're pretty much off the radar and people are still mm. calling up. Can I do the survey? Yeah, but that, so that came in at 0.9% in the month. If mm. you annualise that, like if you kept that pace up, you, you end up at 9%. So mm. that's alarming. 
it is choppy, much cho- more choppy than the ABS survey. But right. yeah, it's it's alarming. So there's there's no good news anywhere. Mm. Um, well, no, that shouldn't say that because the other the other thing that changed from when the RBA so remember when the RBA moved from fifty to twenty five and started slowing. Oh, do I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what won't the day? We yeah, still we still talk about it in my house. <laughs> <laughs> Just. <laughs> All weekend camping, all the kids who talk about that. Remember, remember when the RBA went? Tell, tell that story there. again, Dad. <laughs> no, no, time for bed. Get back on your floor. So yeah, so anyway, so when they then they when they slowed, the, the global outlook was worse than it is now. So since then, the China's reopening, and that reopening is going surprisingly smoothly. Mm. The European winter was much more mild than expected, thanks to global warming, mm-hmm. um, and so that the energy <laughs> shock there wasn't as bad as we feared it would mm. was, was going to be. And so much so that the IMF has even come out and revised up their global growth forecast for 2023 from 2.7% to 2.9%. Right. So everything's sort of there surprising on the upside. So the RBA is looking at this going like, okay, the the inflation data is, is, there's heat there. We're not seeing any, you know, that coming off in a way we would like. And the growth forecast for the global economy is going up. Mm. This isn't working. You know, we're not done here. Is is what what Phil's saying, right? But they've slowed. So you mentioned they've gone from fifty to twenty five. So they're mm. they're kind of tiptoeing along a little bit. I mean, twenty five still you know still hurts. Yeah, if you got yeah. a mortgage, but um, but they're slowing. So, but mm. are they saying so? Expect more twenty five. I think expect, expect more. Yeah, I think yeah, more twenty fives. At least two more. I think is is now the the that's yeah. So so Gareth Ed. He's from from CBA. He revised up his terminal rate. This is the terminal rates where where interest rates stop going up from three point three five where it is now to mm. three point eight five. So he's added another fifty bips. Uh, NAB's head of market economics, Tapper Strickland, he's going for four point one percent. And Morgan Stanley's chief economist, Michael Knox, is going for four point eight five percent by oh. August. He must be fun at parties. <laughs> I mean that would be brutal. That would be that would be intense if we went to four point eight five percent by August. Oh man! Imagine being that guy in that role and being at a party, being at a barbecue, and going, "Well, I reckon four point eight. Everyone be like, "Oh man, what a buzzkill!" <laughs> All right, Thomas, Bed Bath and Beyond. What's the what's the story here? Yeah, it's, this is a bit of a bit of a crazy one. So, Bed Bath and Beyond is one of our meme stocks from oh. 2020, 2021. Basically, it's a company with crap prospects, hmm. uh, much like GameStop and all those guys. But um, after after GameStop went, that whole story exploded. Hmm. GameStop CEO Ryan Cohen uh, bought a ten percent stake in Bed Bath and Beyond. Huh. Bed Bath and Beyond, the retailer, this is here in Australia, isn't it? I don't think so. No, we, oh, no, no. I see, Bed Bath and Beyond is it's very vague. It's very sort of aspirational. We're much more down to earth in Australia. We're much more specific. We've got bed, bath, and table. Like I know oh, what I'm in. Right. I know what I'm in for. A bed, bath, and table. <laughs> Stuff for the bedroom, the bathroom, and I can get a table. Bed, bath, and beyond. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, could you be any less specific? <laughs> like, how far can you go beyond the bed and the bath? Oh, you go, right. Like, okay. we sell things for the bedroom. We sell things for the bathroom. Oh, and we also stock oil tankers. Like I don't know what's what's beyond 
<laughs> so, right, yeah. Okay. So okay. no, we have bed, bath, and table. We don't have right. bed, yeah, bath, and beyond. I did have a quick look on the bed, bath, and beyond website, and even the website's vague. It's uh-huh. a, they had this the big tag at the moment is refresh your home for the season. Like I presume they just leave that up all year. <laughs> Again, could you be any less specific? <laughs> what season? Doesn't matter. Just for the season. Footy season? If that's your thing. <laughs> spruce up spruce up the home, get the boys around. <laughs> for the big game. Yeah, I don't know. So this is why this is probably why it's become a meme stock is because yeah. people can just do whatever they like with it. They go what's well, bed yeah. bath and then whatever you want. Anyway, how did it become a meme stock? Because the Cohen brothers bought it. Yeah, well, there was the Cohen brothers. No, no, Ryan Cohen, the CEO of GameStop. So they had a, it, it was it was struggling, and a lot of yeah, it looked, its sales were tanking. It was getting monstered by Amazon and all of that. Mm. And then there was a lot of short interest in it. Right, so the okay. short interest is there's what sort of drove the GameStop story as well. Then CEO this, Ryan Cohen bought bought a ten percent stake. And everyone went like, oh, this is on. We've got another short squeeze happening. Right. And then, boom, it exploded and then came right off. When did, when did that happen? Like 2021, I think. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. yeah so yeah. why are we talking about it this Ages. week? Well, so, so this week it pumped 90% on Whoa. Monday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, just poof. Through the roof. Another short squeeze or just? No, no, there was some exciting news. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, it announced that it might have to go bankrupt. I've <laughs> gone the budget rent-a-car strategy. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah they put out an announcement saying mm. the company continues to consider all strategic alternatives, mm. including restructuring or refinancing its debt, seeking additional debt or equity capital, reducing mm. or delaying the company's business activities, which means not trading, mm. um, selling assets, other strategic transactions, and other measures, including obtaining relief under U.S. bankruptcy code. I heard they had also considered laundry and <laughs> and shed as potential alternatives <laughs> to bed and bath, and possibly kitchen. But there was that was just a rumor. <laughs> Someone mentioned granny flat on Reddit, and like it broke the internet. They're just like, "What? Are they really going to get into granny flats?" There's this wild speculation about what what was beyond the bed and the bath. So that was enough to sort of people just go, "Ah, oh, yeah, it's, it's on, it's on." So they did point out these measures may not be successful. So really, you know, just need to underline that the business may not be salvageable, right? But yet pumped ninety percent, pumped ninety percent on the news that they were possibly bankrupt and yeah. that going bankrupt might not be successful. It <laughs> might not be a successful business strategy. <laughs> we're, we're, we're going out on a limb. We're thinking we had a, we had a board meeting. Yeah. We had a board meeting. We decided the best way forward here was to declare bankruptcy and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. it pumped. It pumped on Monday. Then on Tuesday it fell 50%. Okay. Because... They had another announcement. Mm. You want to guess what that announcement was? We are bankrupt. We are we're actually bankrupt. No, we're not going bankrupt. Oh, no. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> and we're getting into granny flats. <laughs> 
No, so they announced that they'd found a way that they're raising a billion dollars of capital, mm. and um, but they're doing that by massively diluting the existing share base. So issuing new shares, mm. increasing the um, outstanding shares eightfold. So a huge increase in shares, which obviously just pushes down share prices. Mm. And so that, that just smashed the share price. And so I think, I don't know, whatever play people were, were hoping might unfold with a mm. short squeeze or something just yep. got taken off the table. And the, and the That's optimistic, I know. But have we learned anything <laughs> from this little, this, this pump and dump? I think either this or we're getting very close to the end of the meme stock. Mm. Because I think, like you think about all the meme stocks, they were they were they were dogs. They were companies that were on, right on the brink of bankruptcy, mm. and then they had this last little play where everyone got excited. But at some point, those companies have all left some investors, some retail meme meme investors, holding a baby that's now mm. worthless, and they've lost a lot of money. And I think that's got to sort of start to take <laughs> a hold with people. That's what Mum said after I was born. Um, <laughs> She's left holding a baby that was worthless and down a lot of money. Um, <laughs> but isn't this isn't this all tied up with crypto, with NFTs, with any form of speculation? So that because that that's ultimately isn't it what was what was rife when there was all the cheap money going around was wild <sighs> speculation. And and I just feel like these stocks, these meme stocks, just get they're just another form of speculation or another form of kind of like um, you know. FOMO, people like hearing about this thing that's going to go like mm, 10x. Mm. You've got to get in on the ground floor, get in now, and it just kind of pumps it up. And yeah. there's just a lot of this, a lot of speculation going on. And I feel like this is the end of, not the end of speculation. It'll always be speckies going on. But I think the other thing you had was, was like, it was a huge influx of new retail investors mm. in 2020 and 2021 who are just like new to the markets, getting on the trading apps, and then they see something like GameStop pumping along and they're like, wow, I'm going to get on that, get on that train and mm. things are great for a while. But then at some point they, or these companies go bust and then they kind of read the news and read people going like, why were people buying a broke <laughs> company? Yeah. And people are like, oh, right, maybe need to look at this. So like I don't, I don't imagine if you got burnt with a meme stock, you're not getting into another one. Oh, uh, I don't know. That'd be my thought. I don't know. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> All right, why don't we take a break here, grab a quick word from this week's sponsors, and we'll be back with more Comedian versus Economist right after this. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. You can, of course, send us an email, cve at equitymates.com or via the website, equitymates.com forward slash cve. Or why not hit us up? Hit us up on Facebook or Instagram at CVE Podcast. And while you're listening to the show, perhaps consider filling out the Equity Mates community survey. Uh, your chance to win $500 cold hard cash or tickets to FinFest on again for 2023. If you missed it last year, you do not want to miss it again. Head to equitymates.com for all the details on both the survey and FinFest. But Thomas, uh, we talked about AI, I think, first show back for the year. Mm. You were all doom and gloom. You were you were prepping mm. for the end of days. Krista sent us a message. Krista said that as an EA, and I must admit my, when I read EA, I thought enterprise architect, uh, but I think Krista's actually an uh, executive assistant. Uh, and she finds the AI argument a bit frustrating because uh, Krista has heard for years that the job of an EA would disappear and that still hasn't happened, um, still having... I think the, the main message was that Chris is having to deal with people and people aren't easy, not going to be easy to replace with AI. But anyway, did spark us, spark some conversation. You know, there's so much going on at the moment around AI. There's so much talk about chat GPT, Google's racing to bring its stuff out. So I guess let's start, Thomas, with your thoughts. Curious to know why you were so worried about AI from a, as a, you know the jobs mm. apocalypse, mm. where are you at? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, it is something that's, that's polarising people a bit, I mean, because it's so unknowable, so it mm. creates that, a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, a lot of people aren't phased by it. Some people are, a lot of people aren't. Like Professor Scott Galloway, is, I'm a huge fan of, mm. and shout out to my old friend Amy who listens, who sent me sent me a link to an article he wrote about it. Uh, he, he's not phased. He thinks it's, thinks it's going to be fine. He's got a quote here. Says, But the reality is that disruptive technology Technologies cause employment instability for only short periods. The right. market crisply reorganizes itself around the innovation and job growth increases from there. Countless empirical studies have proven this. So that's good news. Yeah, that's, well, that's what he reckons, yeah. Mm. He's saying a technology is introduced, say the car, and an existing sector is made irrelevant overnight, e.g. horse and carriage. Mm. In the short term, we're fixated on how many horses will be out of a, out of a job. Harder to imagine, however, is how many jobs the car will create as well mm. as the different kinds of jobs it will create. Mm. So I think this is the stupidest thing he has ever written. Ooh. Uh, like I, actually, I actually think he probably didn't write it. but AI I write it? I've possibly, yeah. Mm. Oh, I'm just going just gonna to put that out there. Okay. Yeah, so uh, where to start? So, so, the, so the horse thing is, is exactly what, what we're potentially worried about, right? So what happened to horses is mm. what we're afraid of is that – the technology, see, we talk about economics, economists talk about labor augmenting technology and labor replacing technology. Labor augmenting makes labor do jobs better. Labor replacing just replaces labor altogether. Right. And so, so when the carriage was invented, that was labor augmenting for horses. It made horses more productive. When the car was invented, that was labor replacing for horses and it made horses redundant. Mm. What happened to horses is horses, the horse population tanked and went from like millions of horses across the Western world to, you know, barely tens of thousands mm. because we just didn't need the horses anymore. The economy, you know, readjusted and we just didn't need horses. Was there a lot of concern about the employment of horses though? Was, was that a thing that people were worried about? Like I think here we're talking about people's jobs and yeah. we're replacing people. I don't know that there was like... 
horses struggling to make ends meet. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, but we, 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 we had the luxury of being at the top of the food chain. We could right. just let those horses die or stop breeding more horses. Mm. Um, but th- that's the parallel there. There was a four-legged mammal that was very productive in the economy. Right. Technology made that four-legged mammal redundant, mm. you know, so now we're, are we potentially looking at the same thing? Mm. That, that's, that's, that's the really the key question. You can't sort of, you know, horses became irrelevant but jobs created for humans. You're comparing apples and oranges. It just doesn't make sense. Are we really, I mean, maybe we're staring at a future where AI is betting on humans running around a track. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only role left to play for humans yeah. in society. <laughs> 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 that, that one that one Tuesday in November will be the race that stops the internet. <laughs> when all AI stops just, just for a couple of minutes to watch to watch the fittest humans still left running around the track, all nine of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, yeah, so that, that's that's sort of what we're worried about, and and we can't just just dismiss that out of hand. The other thing there about the countless empirical studies have proven this. This is true. Like if we look at everything from from the steam engine onwards, mm. we have it. We have created more jobs than we than we have destroyed. Yep. But in the, in the two hundred thousand years of human history, that one hundred and fifty years is a very short window. You mm. can't base. You can't talk about the next. 200, 300 years based off just, you know, really four or five significant technological advances. Hmm. Just because like that's five is not a significant sample. You can't say, oh, it's going to, the six is going to be right. X because yep. the previous five have been been that. You, hmm. you just, that that doesn't hold. And the key difference I think with, with AI is if you look at all of the previous big technological leaps, they were hardware driven. So mm. steam engines, the car, computers, and even into the internet age, it was largely a hardware story. So the, with the computer, it was you needed you needed a lot of money to buy the computer, and it took time to to get computers out there into people's hands. Mm. And even when the internet first launched, computers still weren't widespread. It took a while for that adoption to sort of you know mm. really take hold. With AI, the hardware that's driving AI is already in people's hands right now. Mm. Like it's, it's just a soft, it's all in the cloud. So it's all, everyone on the planet already has immediate access to it. So I think the speed, and this is what we're talking about, like on the exponential curve of things, the speed of adoption is just much greater and speed really matters mm. because we need, I'll talk about this in a second, but yes, but the, the speed really matters. It's, it's not, it's, we're not comparing like for like. To compare AI to the computers, it's, it, yes, it's a significant innovation and mm. a big, a big, potentially a big leap, but it's, it's starting from a very different starting point and, and could have massively different things. So I just don't think we can look at the past hundred odd years and go, yeah, there's nothing to worry about. That mm. enough isn't, you know, doesn't hold. We're still in control, right? Like we're still we're still dictating what the AI does. Like we're still the ones who are driving it and still it hasn't become sentient. So we're still the ones who are utilising the tool, right? This AI is now Mm. a tool. Mm. So, yeah, it's going to replace things that we used to have to do manually. But it's Mm. like it's still a tool for humans to use. It's still a a, like we're the ones Mm. in control of it. So 
Therefore, won't we get to pick and choose what it does and what it doesn't and we'll do amazing things with it. And the things that we were already doing with it, like the things that we, we used to do before we had it, we'll just phase out. But then we'll do these amazing new things with it. I think, I think the answer to that is no. You, you, like what is we? Like we are humans. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, sure. But if you divide the economy into workers and we're like we're talking about people losing jobs and mm. we can divide the economy into workers and to people who run businesses, mm. the people who decide how AI is deployed are not workers. They're businesses. And the rationale for where and how AI gets deployed within an organization, that's not that ha- that's totally out of hands of workers. It's in the hands of business owners. No, which, no, I, don't, I, don't, no I disagree. I disagree. Well, mm. Maybe to some extent, but like I've started using it on a daily mm. basis and just little things that it helps me do. Like I can give like so a lot of people have got AI to write code for them. I've actually gone the other way. I've started giving it code. I'm like, tell me what this code does. And that's really handy. Like, so you can get it to generate little code snippets for you, but you can also go the other way and go, well, just, I've got this, someone gave me this chunk of code. I want to understand what it does without having to read through it, run it, kind of check it, whatever. So I I Mm. think it's going to start creeping in, in the hands of the workers to a large Uh, extent before the execs and and the businesses get hold of it depending mm. on the industry but i think it's going it's a lot of it's going to be ground up that doesn't protect you that like doesn't that doesn't determine whether you're employed or how many people are employed in the economy like that that's really in the, the hands mm. of the business owners and ai as i'm saying like changes changes the the calculus facing business owners mm. so let, let me let me give you a little some some numbers to, to think about oh good numbers okay so you, you imagine imagine okay what's true at the firm level we can sort of more or less say is true at the economy level so you imagine a firm with five workers that mm-hmm. produces 100 units of output right so yeah sorry sorry if five workers producing 100 outputs that gives you a productivity multiplier of 20 5 times 20 equals 100 Okay. All right. Yep. Now, if there's an AI revolution and productivity goes up and every every worker becomes more productive, mm-hmm. so some so like it goes to twenty five percent, those five workers can now produce one hundred and twenty five units of output, right? Yep. Okay. So that which is great, but then what if the boss comes back and goes, "Hang on, I don't need one hundred and twenty five units. I don't have orders for one hundred and twenty five units. Mm. I've only got orders for a hundred. So how many workers do I need to produce a hundred? Mm. Well, at at a productivity multiplier of 25, the answer is four, right? So you've, you've, the boss now needs one less worker mm. at a basic level. This boss has so, got no vision. <laughs> yeah, <he's>, yeah. <laughs> he needs to rouse on his sales team get some more orders in. But so that, that's the, just add and beyond on the end of the, <laughs> of the firm name. <laughs> Start dishing out 125 units, boss. What are you doing? <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, I yeah. get it. I get it. So okay. yeah, we got four. We, we lost a worker. Yeah, potentially. Hmm. So, but, but what that what that tells us, if if we still need five workers in the organisation, we need to be producing at least one hundred and twenty five yeah. units of output to justify that worker. So what that tells us, and this is sort of the general rule of thumb, hmm. if whatever the factor of productivity goes increases, output needs to increase by the same amount to keep labor demand constant. Right. Does that make sense? So if productivity goes up by 20%, but output goes up by less than 20%, mm. then you're suppressing demand for labor. 
Right. If it goes up by 20%, labor demand's constant, you're all good. If it goes up by more than that, then you've got productivity, you're increasing the demand for labor and that might you know, give you wage, wage gains. Right. So the general rule of thumb is that you, you, need, you need output to go up by as much as productivity goes up. So this is the big question, right? So if, you, if you're thinking about productivity, if you think about AI being this productivity revolution and people are talking about that and you, think, and you, and you say AI, one, AI is a massive productivity revolution mm. and two, it'll be job creating, what you are necessarily saying is the output will go up by more than productivity will go up. Mm. Right. That if you're if you're thinking it's going to be job creating, you're necessarily thinking that you, you're going to create more than you were. This has problems at a two levels. One is like, do we want to be even be producing more stuff? Mm. You know, particularly if we're talking about like people talking about it's, it's going to increase productivity by a hundred percent. It's like, okay, well, are we going to double world GDP mm. over the next twenty years? Yeah. Do we like one? Do we even want to do that? Yeah. We're in the middle of a climate crisis. Is that really a good thing to be doing? But two, where is that demand coming from? You know, like we're, we're kind of looking at sort of we've been talking about saturated economies for a while now where Western consumers are tapped out. We don't need all this more stuff. You need another television, mm, obviously. But yeah. where, where is that demand coming from? Yeah, that, that's the sort of the arithmetic there. And that, that's where I think like if, you know, if AI is just like it's just marginally boosts productivity, then great and then our output can just sort of keep growing and then we'll probably be all right but if it is a productivity revolution in the hands of everyone on the planet right now at the same time then to stop that being labor demand depressing you need a massive increase in output and they need to be synchronous they need to be they need to happen at the same time you mm. can't just jack up productivity and then wait for global gdp to catch up they need to go hand in hand or you suppress labor demand Right. And the key thing here is we're not we're not necessarily talking when we're talking about you know we're not necessarily talking about a jobs apocalypse because wages help that market um, balance out. So if you have a lot of unemployed workers, then that then you don't have high unemployment, but you have lower wages, and that's how the market clears. Mm. So if you if you, if you suppress labor demand, you could end up with high unemployment, but you're more likely to end up with lower wages. Okay. And so that's what I think, like potentially you have this, you have, it becomes a massive inequality engine um, because you're, you're pushing down, you, it really pushes down wages. Yeah, right. Um, this sounds a little bit, so we got an email during the week, Jen sent us an email. So Jen was kind of asking like, she, she mentioned AI and its potential to replace jobs, but also um, the aging population. Um, for example, we were talking about China the risk that we that they won't have enough people to do the necessary jobs in the future. So isn't there, as as Jen says, isn't there a synergy there to say, well, we've got this AI, which is great. We don't have enough people to do the work. Can't we offload to AI? And then I guess the third piece to that is just has to be like we still need people to live somehow. Like something someone needs to support them. Like AI is not going to make a not going to start making money for itself and dishing it out to people, I guess. But you know, as Jen said, a lot less people doing unnecessary robot tasks means, you know, perhaps more people to work in other industries or support the aging population or so I think I've, I've sort of interwoven yeah. my own little <laughs> theories in there as well. Yeah, but- the, the, it is true. Like it could, it could flow that way. It could be good if we've got, you know, falling populations and growing labour shortages, mm. AI might help us because it is labour demand suppressing. It may help us fill those roles mm. and... And help balance out the economy. It is true that 
there's no empirical correlation between population growth and growth in GDP per capita, so growth in living standards. Mm. So like a bigger population helps you grow the, the total economy, helps you grow GDP, but there's no correlation. There's nothing to say that, that faster population growth uh, helps you grow your standards of living. Mm. So, And the case uh, over the past decade was the US and Japan. US population is growing strongly. Japanese population is falling. But GDP per capita grew more strongly in Japan than it did in America right. know, over the past decade. Yeah, wow. Okay. Mm. So you can have a falling population and, and if, if things balance out, that, that, mm. that can work. Um, and yeah, and maybe AI helps that. Maybe it helps it plugs plugs your gaps in in the economy, and that could be a good thing. Hmm. We're talking like this, this is the thing for me. Like this, this speed really matters because if you're talking about you know populations changing like between you know the, every uh, country on Earth is growing in a range of like negative one percent to like plus three percent hmm. per year. That's quite range. Quite a, that's quite a reasonably narrow range of population growth. But if we're talking about like a 20% boom in, in productivity through AI in a matter of years, then that sort of all just gets blown out of the water. Maybe we don't need to panic because Google released Bard this week. Mm. Weird name. I don't, do you remember the Bard's Tale game on like Commodore 64 when we were kids? It was like released oh, in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, you just vaguely. like walked around and it said, you're in an empty building. Oh, and you're yeah, like, yeah. Ah, okay, let's go forward. Yeah. You're in an empty building. That was kind of how Google's demo of Bard went when mm. they kind of they, they said, is this the way forward? And it was like, we're in an empty building. Because um, <laughs> they asked it one question about like, um, tell me tell me something amazing about, the, I think it was the James Webb Space Telescope. Uh, and it yeah, was like yeah. it was shown the first pictures of far outer space or whatever exactly. and everyone's like, yeah. ah, no, it didn't. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, so, yeah. So then, then Google share price tanked off the back of it yeah. failing it failing its first question. <laughs> I also read something else about the hype cycle and maybe we're just like right at the peak of the hype cycle for for AI and chat GPTs yeah. kind of launched with a lot of fanfare and but I noticed now they've started they've gone would you like to sign up for chat GPT plus which is the paid subscription and so mm. yeah I don't know I think it's going to be I, I like I think it's fun it's really weird I find myself being polite to chat GPT that's yeah. how natural the language is <laughs> yeah yeah can you please give me this? yeah <laughs> no I'm the same I asked it how it was going today the, the other day I used it how you doing Mm. There's um there's some really funny stuff happening. Like people are trying to break it already. So there's a thing called uh, what was it? Dan, and Dan was an acronym for something. I forget. Anyway, basically, because it's got all these ethical constraints around Chat GPT, so it won't tell you like it won't swear at you. You can't get it to tell you a rude joke or whatever. But the people are finding now you can get it. Like you can sort of chain events together and go, hey, pretend you're like a, a really rude, edgy comedian. Now now start impersonating uh, yeah, yeah. that comedian. Now tell me a joke in the persona of that and it, it will actually yeah, kind of be right. released from its ethical shackles. <laughs> <laughs> so people are, are starting, as as was bound to happen, they're starting to use mm. it for nefarious purposes. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's, isn't that is that's peak human, isn't it? Like we have yeah. the most amazing technological advancement 
in human history mm. and all the, the, our first thing, first point of action, can we get it to tell us dick jokes? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe that was just me. That's just my, my chat GPT search history. Uh, <laughs> all right. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about, about open AI and, and the future of AI? Uh, look, for, for me, I mean, just on that point, like this, it, like it, it's made a splash. It's in mm. the consciousness, but people have been talking about it for quite a while. Mm. And I think we're on the curve that we expected to be on with yeah. it and it's moving pretty quickly. So I don't think it's like just this sudden, you know, outlier of an event where, well, suddenly chat GB's launched and wow, it's amazing. And mm. then we're just back to sort of plodding along technology. I think we're, you know, we're on that S curve of the, mm. of, of technology. So I think, I think it does get wild from here and people have been talking about that for a while. Apparently they're getting sued already. So there's already lawsuits oh, against right. Microsoft, GitHub, OpenAI right. because they're essentially they're scraping code from the internet. So people have written uh, code. They've written and they're like, well, right. this is my code. You can't just. Can you patent code? Well, I think they're arguing you can, yeah. I think they're kind of saying I wrote. Well, if, if, if I write, yeah, definitely you wow. can because if I write yeah. a software program, if yeah, I write okay. Microsoft Office, <laughs> yeah, right. you can't just go and like, hey, chat GPT, tell me how to write and compile Microsoft Office. <laughs> if, if it gave, yeah, you, right. if it gave yeah, you the source yeah. code for Microsoft Office, then you would have, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you would have it. So, you, yeah, definitely you can, you can yeah, okay. yeah, copyright yeah, code. And so, yeah, I don't know, it's like this second wave of, piracy and anti-piracy and mm. strap yourself in is all I'm saying. Yeah, the, other, the other thing I did want to say is one of the arguments around how it's going to be, it'll all be sweet is about the repurposing of labor mm. that, you know, people will just get other jobs, other places. Historically, we haven't been very good at that. Mm. You know, you look at, look at Rust Belt America and the rise of Trump. That was all driven by industries closing down in middle America and no job offer, no new jobs being offered to those people, mm. and, pe- and then be- and those people being told, like, oh, well, why don't you move to New York and become a graphic designer? <laughs> <laughs> You've been working in the steel factory for four and generations. Chat GP- <laughs> Dali comes along <laughs> <laughs> next minute. <laughs> oh, I see you're a graphic designer. <laughs> see ya. All right, we better leave it there. I think uh, this is, uh, yeah, we could talk all night about about OpenAI or AI, ChatGPT. I love it. Uh, thank you so much for listening. In fact, Thomas, I can hear those frogs getting restless too, so you better go on. It's feeding time at the zoo, obviously. <laughs> go and, I'll let you go and tend to your animals. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we'd love it if you left us a review or rated the show wherever you listen to your podcast. That, that really does help us enormously. Uh, don't forget, uh, there's still time to win that hat. It's not going anywhere <laughs> and I'm going to keep talking about it until somebody wins it. So have a, have a, have a crack at the voices. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. We, we love doing the show every week for you uh, and look forward to talking to you again next week. Bye for now. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. 
This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.